Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. How delighted I am to see you've returned yet again to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today I thought I would introduce you to a section of the shop that is not often traveled, at least not in our time together. I don't believe you've had a chance to look at these items. These over here are uh, a section of the shop that we like to display artifacts and items from various cults throughout history. If you'll notice over here, there are items from the Raj Nishis from the 1980s. Over here, you'll find items from the People's Temple, headed by one Jim Jones from the 1970s. There are items here from the Branch Davidians, artifacts from the Manson family, something here from the Heaven's Gate cult. And this over here is an item new to this section of the shop. And I'm sure you're asking yourself, shopkeeper, why is this cult item a bowling pin? Well, therein lies the essence of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new video-on-demand film, Last Night at Terrace Lanes. So, Last Night at Terrace Lanes is a new... Movie out, it's a video on demand, released earlier this month, I believe the 16th of January is when this movie was released, and I have to say, this movie, when I first saw the trailer for it, I was like, oh jeez, this looks like it's gonna be, gonna be pretty bad, and I almost didn't do an episode on this. Uh, I was originally going to do this for Monday's episode, and then I realized uh, Tim was on video on demand so i i watched that first and i'm like oh yeah no this is the one i'm gonna do for monday's episode but then i got to thinking there's not a whole lot out in the theaters right now there isn't much on streaming platforms at least there's not a lot of shows ending at the moment there a lot of them are still in progress the ones i've been watching with hopes of doing episodes in the future so I'm like, what am I going to do for Thursday's episode? Well, I've got this last night at Terrace Lanes. I could watch that and see if maybe I'm wrong on this trailer. So I watched it, and I wasn't wrong on the trailer. <laughs> this isn't a great movie. I believe it is a movie that is going to appeal to a lot of people. If you've got low standards for acting and low standards for script writing and low standards for... Uh, a lot of things that have to do with horror and horror comedies, because this is being touted as a horror comedy. If you've got low standards, then you're probably going to love this. Because if anything, I will say that this movie, I wasn't bored watching it. It kept me engaged the whole time. Not in good ways, but not in horrible ways. There's a lot to want to like. I mean, the acting isn't horrible. The acting is okay, but it's not great. The script is not horrible, but it's not great. It's it's okay. The story, I thought, was a real interesting idea. And it's a story that I think could have went somewhere, but it never really went anywhere. And 
the comedy, this was one of those movies where they focused, it's a horror comedy, where they focus more on the comedy than the horror, and the comedy wasn't that good. Now, you are going to, you're going to see some actors and actresses that you're probably not going to recognize by name, but you will recognize them from other movies, uh, mainly Ken Arnold. Uh, he played Buzz Aldrin in Men in Black 3. He was in uh, an episode of that show Revolution that I really liked. He was in uh, Abduction. Uh, in several things, uh, Jester that came out in 2023, he was in that, uh, Satanic Hispanics, uh, he was in a segment of that. Uh, so he's been around the block when it comes to acting for, for quite a while. Speaking of Jester, another actress, uh, Maya Ray Roberts, uh, who plays the character Tess, she was also in the Jester as well, uh, a movie I haven't watched yet, so I, I really need to check that out because it, it looks interesting, just uh, nothing I've taken the time to watch. Uh, there's also uh, another one of our lead actresses in this is Francesca Capaldi, and she's an actress, a young actress who, who's been around. I mean, she She's, she's done several things, just not a whole lot that I've watched. Uh, I do know the one thing that I've seen, she was actually, she played a young Lily in How I Met Your Mother back in 2012. So as a younger uh, girl, she uh, was in something that I watched, but I, I'm not terribly familiar with her work, even though she looked very familiar. But it's a pretty simple premise that I, I think, when I realized it was, this was the premise, I thought, okay, this might work. You have this bowling alley that is going out of business, and this is the last night, so they've got a special last night deal, trying to drum up that last little bit of business, and you have these teenagers going to this bowling alley. These two girls, Kennedy, played by Francesca Capaldi, and Tess, played by Maya Ray Roberts. And, of course, the Tess character invites a couple boys to come along. Little do they know that Kennedy grew up going to this bowling alley, and her father, Bruce, played by Ken Arnold, is kind of the, the maintenance guy there, kind of the jack-of-all-trades, really keeping this place running for the owner. But Kennedy doesn't want anyone to know that she grew up in the bowling alley. Her her father works there. She's embarrassed by bowling. Uh, of all the things for someone to be embarrassed by, bowling seems a little ridiculous. And and they played into that a lot in this movie, which, uh, okay, I, I get it. Teenagers are embarrassed by a lot of things that they did when they were kids, that they did with their parents. It's not cool to, to do things with your parents. Okay, I'll buy that, even though the boy, you know, they could have come up with something a little more ridiculous than bowling for her to be embarrassed by, because bowling's actually quite fun if I don't throw my shoulder out. But you have this element of the story, and then you have a second element of the story of this cult that we're introduced to. And this cult has designs on this bowling alley. And, and I guess this would be a little spoiler. We're not in the spoiler territory yet, but this could be a little spoilery. But they tell you it right away in the first bits of the movie, the first minutes of the movie, you have this cult leader sending out a message to all his followers that they've, they've done the calculations, they've done the math, they know the location they need you know all these cult members to to gather here and this bowling alley is the location where they've triangulated some event to happen that they need to go there and and make happen and to the glorious whatever of whoever you never really get 
a sense of what it's all about. But you have these two entities colliding. These people trying to, to have fun bowling on this last night of this bowling alley's existence. And then this cult that is there to do nefarious cult-like things. And ultimately, it's an it's an idea that works. It's an interesting idea. It is done well through like the first act of the movie when you have these two entities kind of separated. Getting to know these teenagers, getting to know Kennedy's relationship with her father, it's all quite interesting. The cult gathering and preparing for what's about to happen is all quite interesting. And then it kind of goes off the rails from there. And we'll talk about that a little more in depth once we get into some spoiler territory. But ultimately, this is a it's not a great movie. I definitely am a little disappointed in myself that I paid $5.99 to watch this. I really wish I could have waited for this to come out on a streaming service. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see this on Tubi. There's a possibility some other platform might purchase it. Maybe Shudder. I don't know if Netflix would do that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, but you're probably going to be able to see it for free sooner rather than later. And and I really wish I could have waited to see it for free. And I, I at the end of it, I was like, ah, I paid six bucks for this. And it would be worth the free watch. I don't know as if it is worth paying for it. If you want to pay for it, that's fine. Uh, like I said, I wasn't bored watching this movie and it did have some elements i liked but not enough to pay 5.99 for it on video on demand but who am i to discourage you from going to watch it 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 does have a lot of horror elements there's a little bit of gore uh they did a lot of good things with practical effects even though it wasn't that gory they really skimped i wouldn't say skim i mean this is a low budget film and the fact that you know, they didn't do big, gory scenes with a lot of practical effects. Uh, meant that they were trying to save on the special effects budget. But you did get some blood. You did get some kills that maybe you didn't completely see. Uh, there's no CG. So that, I mean, at least they tried to do that. At least they tried to do what they did practical as opposed to going with CG. So they had that going for it. But there was just so much of this story that was left unsaid and the menace was completely undermined by the bad comedy of this. And I did not enjoy it. Even though it kept me engaged enough and I wasn't bored, I wasn't looking at my watch waiting for this to end, it, it certainly didn't feel longer then it's runtime. But go check it out if you want to watch it and, and then come back and hear my thoughts on it. If you have watched uh, last night at Terrace Lanes or you don't care, uh, this is probably not something you're going to watch and you just want to hear uh, what the fuss is about. Because I've seen a lot of people talking about this on social media. And I'm, I'm a little surprised at how much some people actually like this movie. Uh, they really love this movie, but I haven't seen or heard anything about the movie Tim that we talked about on Monday's show, which I think is a vastly superior movie, even though it's a little more sci-fi than horror. This is supposed to be horror, but it leans into bad comedy more than that. So uh, if you've watched it or you don't care about spoilers, then you don't plan on watching this movie. We're going to head into some spoiler territory right now. So uh, the two sides of this movie, the teenage side and the cult side, I'm going to look at those differently because uh, the teenage side was just, uh, there's not much to it. 
uh, you have the relationship between Bruce and Kennedy. Uh, Kennedy's embarrassed by her father. They used to be a bowling team together. Uh, the Lucky Strikes or some sort of stupid shit like that. And and they've become estranged because he's an alcoholic and her mom's divorced him and her mom got complete custody and they've they just been estranged. So you have that estrangement of a father and daughter story that hearkening back, you know, he's always trying to relive those glory days when they, they were together. And, and that was, that wasn't a bad aspect of the story. They actually fleshed out a lot of that story. The other part of the story that wasn't very interesting although it could have been, was the Kennedy-Tess relationship. You have them going bowling, and Kennedy obviously has a thing for Tess. Kennedy looks at this as them going out on a date, but you don't get the sense that Tess feels the same way because she invites a couple boys along. They play this are-they-aren't-they sort of game with these two characters, and ultimately the boys die, and you never really get that moment where T Kennedy professes her uh, affection for Tess in a in a romantic way. Uh, you never know if these two end up together. It just was like completely unexplored and felt very superfluous. Why even do this storyline, this romantic storyline, if you're not going to pay it off somehow and it just felt like they threw this in there, this girl having a crush on another girl just to do it and it really didn't make any sense in the broader picture of the story it didn't really affect the story these these two could have been just best friends and that would have served the story just as well there was no sense in in doing the whole uh lesbian storyline just for I, I i don't not shock value but because that's not a shocking thing in 2024 but just for the, I don't know what they were trying to do with that storyline. Like I said, very superfluous and didn't add anything to this movie. You had the two boys that show up. I can't remember their names because they were forgettable. But uh, the one boy, he's like, uh, he's supposed to be Tess's date and he's a jock and plays sports. And he ends up getting killed right away. Like one of the first people to get killed gets an axe thrown to his forehead. I, I kind of thought maybe he would be a bigger character throughout this movie, but he gets killed right away. The other guy, the friend that shows up, it's kind of one of those like asshole teenagers that you can't understand why anybody wants to hang out with them because they're such a dickhead and kind of makes the character a little unbelievable because, you know, people don't like hanging out with someone like that. Unless you give us a reason why this main character guy is hanging out with this other guy who's who's calling, constantly calling him a cuck. <laughs> because I, I don't know, is that still a thing? I know that was a thing like 10 years ago, but I didn't realize that was still, I didn't realize teens still called each other that. Because I'm pretty sure most teens don't know where that word even comes from. So the bowling alley patron side of the story was... You know, like I had some interesting elements. Like I said, the father-daughter relationship was interesting. Uh, they brought up some interesting characters that you got to meet briefly. And some of them seemed like, oh, I'd like to know more about this character. But like all of them die <laughs> within the first, uh, well, by the time the second act starts and, and shit starts going down. There were some interesting characters, uh, some interesting actors. I like the actress who played the owner of the of the bowling alley, uh, Tawanda Underdue. I thought she did a really good job. There was the 
girl, she was getting banged by the guy wearing the bowling pin like mascot costume. Uh, like she was interesting. I thought there was a story there that I would have liked to have have seen or, or you know, had fleshed out a little more. But she died fairly quickly as well. And yeah, all these characters were just there as fodder for this cult. Now, the cult aspect of this story, that's where it could have been more interesting. You have this cult being run by this cult leader. And even though they wear baby blue sweatsuits or tracksuits, if you want to call it that, and these white masks, they did look kind of creepy. Oddly enough, I like the fact that they went with this like powder baby blue tracksuits because it, one, felt oddly like the Heaven's Gate cult. Weren't they wearing like tracksuits or something when they all uh, drank the Kool-Aid or whatever they did? But also, it was menacing without being menacing. You know, it's easy to make something menacing with black or, or darker colors or red, like a blood or crimson red. It's easy to be menacing with that, but to pull off menacing in a baby blue sweatsuit... That takes some doing, and and I think they did, for the most part. When you've got all of these people all dressed together, the uniformity of it all, and the idea of cohesion of this group all working in orchestra, uh, that's that's kind of scary. That's intimidating. Uh, the mask, having their faces covered, not knowing, not seeing any emotion, that's intimidating. Uh, you know, them doing it children of the corn style with uh, big wrenches, pipe wrenches, and pitchforks, and whatever blunt or sharp object they can bash or stab with or slash with that was intimidating and that first encounter where this cult falls upon this bowling alley was actually quite good i i enjoyed the hecticness of it i enjoyed the franticness of it the randomness of it uh people just getting stabbed left and right out of the blue they pulled it off fairly well that initial attack but then the cult leader shows up and while the cult leader was very menacing in that first scene where he's kind of doing this monologue about the universe has shown them the numbers they know the location and and thanking all the cult members for their their hard work and and their sacrifices and and things like that it was all very menacing and disturbing and the guy actually came across as kind of a, a bad guy with that that amount of menace that you would need but then when it gets to the bowling alley, it just all, it, they turn into like the goof troop after that initial attack scene where they're looking for Kennedy and Bruce and Tess and trying to find them as the only ones left to sacrifice before the transformation or whatever they called it. Then the cult leader started doing doofy things. The cult leader got like over the top with the performance and... There again, they tried to shoehorn in all these horrible jokes that I, I don't think a single one of them landed. I can't remember anything that was supposed to be a joke that I actually laughed at in this movie. Uh, there's one scene where Bruce is, you know, he's on it. He's made contact through a walkie-talkie with Kennedy. And he's on it. He's going to find her and he's going to get them out of there. And part of me is like, oh, yeah, maybe he's like ex-military or something like that. And he's a badass. And he's going to go start kicking ass on these cult members. But then he's like sneaking around and banging into shit. And there's this one scene where he runs and jumps over the bar and makes this silly noise as he's falling. And 
I'm like, oh, this isn't badass at all. This is fucking stupid. And like he's behind the bar and he's bumping into things and he hits a thing full of straws and the straws fly everywhere. It's good fun, madcap humor. It just was it was lame. I was like, are you going to be fucking kidding me? You know, I wasn't expecting this to turn into Die Hard or anything like that, but it's a horror movie. And there's more to horror than just blood and somebody stabbing somebody and people wearing fucking masks. You've got to build tension. You've got to build suspense. You have to you have to make me worry about somebody. And I, I can't worry about someone if they're fucking running around like the Keystone Cops. Uh, look that up if you don't know that, kids. But, the, you know, just running around and doing all this slapsticky style humor. It's not fucking funny. At least not the way they did it in this movie. And it undermines any amount of horror that you're trying to build in this horror comedy because even if it is part comedy it's still part horror and you still have to pay attention to that if your horror comedy doesn't have any horror in it then it's just a comedy that happens to have some blood to me that's i fucking hate that i'd rather have a horror comedy where the horror is really good and the comedy's not so good than to have a horror comedy where the comedy's really good but the horror is not good. And this is a situation where the comedy wasn't good and the horror wasn't good. So that just made it even worse for me. And as far as this cult goes, you really had no idea what they were doing, what they were trying to accomplish. I and mean, you knew they had to converge on this bowling alley because the location of this bowling alley is where this whole whatever, this transformation is supposed to go on. But you don't really know you don't know what the stakes are you don't know what they're trying to bring about the end of the world are they trying to open a portal so some uh, cthulhu like lovecraftian old god can come and destroy the planet or, or what's going on they never really dive into that and that i think could have helped build some horror build some menace if they would have done that right if they would have made the cult leader less of a bumbling buffoon of a leader and more more of a menacing leader more of a, a leader that has diabolical and sinister aspirations that isn't as doofy as his his underlings then that might have worked. But then there's that scene at the very end where where all of our heroes, Bruce Kennedy and Tess, are all surrounded by these cultists and all of a sudden their watches go off that it's time for the transformation and they all start killing themselves. Some of them, like, legit serious ways, slashing their throats, stabbing themselves. Uh, they showed the one guy, like, hitting himself in the head with a baseball bat. I was like, that's a fucking stupid way, an ineffective way to kill yourself. And the cult leader's like, no, not yet. We have to kill these people first. And it was supposed to be funny, but it just wasn't funny. It was just dumb. And then, of course, uh, Bruce, played by Ken Arnold, uh, takes the axe that he's holding and chops off the cult leader's head. And we're done. Now, I'm not a comedy writer, uh, but to me, it would have been funnier if... Bruce chops off the cult leader's head before the transformation thing goes, and then the cult doesn't know what to do now that their leader's dead, and they all just kind of drop their shit and, uh, let's go to the Waffle House or something like that. I, like I said, I'm not a comedy writer, so don't, <laughs> don't think that that is the better ending, but something like that. This ending to this movie was just kind of stupid, anticlimactic. 
uh, because I didn't even know what the climax was supposed to be. I didn't even know what the transformation was supposed to be. I don't know what this cult was trying to do. All I know is that they kept talking about numbers and the numbers in the universe. The universe has showed us the numbers. We've done all the calculations. And and it didn't help that they were calling them mathletes, which just it took any teeth out of this cult that it had left because there weren't many just the way they you know after that first coordinated attack they just became doofy and stupid and that lame scene where kennedy throws a bowling ball like tim wakefield knuckleball style that hits the one and then does a left hand turn and hits the other one like she's doing a 710 split and tess is you really are good it's stupid shit like that that just was not funny. And it undermined a movie that could have at least been a little scarier from the horror aspect, but they chose not to do scary horror. They chose to do goofy horror, and it wasn't fun. It was, it was so cringeworthy to sit there and watch this. Now, like I said, probably one of the only things I can say good about this movie is that it was very well-paced. I did enjoy the pacing of it. I enjoyed the fact that it kept moving. I never got bored during this movie. That's probably the best praise I can give it. You're not going to get bored watching this, but you're just going to be like, oh, God, with every other scene in this movie. Like I said, the relationship between Kennedy and Bruce, I thought that was interesting. I thought they played that well. I thought they played to some of the emotion of that quite well, uh, but... There again, this isn't a drama. This is a, supposed to be a horror comedy, and neither the horror nor the comedy worked in any capacity. The fact that they did use practical effects as opposed to CG, I guess that's another feather in their cap. But there again, uh, they didn't want to spend the money to show somebody's head getting bashed in with a bowling ball. So you didn't even really get to see that gore. It was just uh, the head and the bowling ball striking it off screen and you get a sound effect which that can work too but you've got to have the horror backing that to make that work and be effective from a horror standpoint so ultimately this is a movie I, I wanted to like more than I did and I started out liking it like I said that first act I thought set things up really well and it was an interesting story it had some interesting characters uh, the relationship between Bruce and Kennedy was interesting. The relationship between Kennedy and Tess was interesting until they just didn't pay that off. And that left Bruce and Kennedy as the only really interesting relationship in this. And then the cult really, where it started out kind of creepy and scary and menacing, uh, they took all the fangs out of that by making them goofy and bumbling. And that's pretty much how the rest of this movie went. A horror comedy that focused more on the comedy and less on the horror and didn't do either one of them well. Which I hate to say that because, you know, I think, you know, the people involved in making this film had all the best of intentions. Jamie Nash is the director. He's done pretty much everything as far as he's been, you know, he's directed things before. He's been a producer on VHS 2 He's a writer as well. And there were some shots that I thought, you know, as far as a look to this film, I thought the, the look wasn't bad. I thought the beginning had a lot of interesting shots when they're showing the cult uh, during that voiceover. There was a lot of interesting cuts, and I, I really liked how that looked. Uh, I liked some of the 
nostalgia of the bowling alley and and what it meant to to people who grew up in like the 60s, 70s, and 80s when when bowling, even into the 90s when bowling was kind of in its heyday. Uh, I, I liked some of the nostalgia there and some of the shots that they did kind of playing into that. Uh, that was fun. Uh, the writing, though, I just don't think the writing was there in some regards from Adam Césaire and Jenna St. John. From a story aspect, I thought the story was interesting and it was a good basis for a movie. I just don't think the dialogue and I just don't think some of the ideas for how this movie should play out uh, and the comedy didn't work from a writing standpoint. So there you have it. Those are my thoughts on Last Night at Terrace Lanes. Not a great movie. Uh, not a good movie, at least from my liking. But I can see where some people are going to enjoy this movie. Some people are going to enjoy the bad comedy uh, more than I am. Uh, not that I consider myself a comedy or a horror snob. But I, I just, most of the comedy in this was bad. Uh, most of the horror in this was bad and not my cup of tea. But there again, like I said, I'm sure there are going to be plenty of people out there who do like this. Uh, God bless you if you do. Uh, I don't understand, but God bless you. But go check it out for yourself. Don't take my word for it. But I warned you. Don't let it be said that I didn't warn you. But go check it out and see what you think about last night at Terrace Lanes. And I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on this flick. You can check out more about what's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our Facebook and Instagram pages. We're always posting about horror, fantasy, and science fiction, as well as all the latest episodes and things we're doing on the podcast. Uh, please, wherever you're listening to this, Please follow, like, subscribe to the podcast. That way you can stay on top of everything that's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop and our latest episodes. Uh, please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome, but whatever review you leave, we do appreciate that. And as always, please share this podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!